Welcome back to another episode of the Amera Podcast. We're going to have with us today the original crew in the Denver metro area. We've got John Kelly. How are you today, sir? Oh, good. Good. So glad that we're uh, getting a real snowstorm. Yeah. Did you guys get how much snow did you get down there? We didn't get very much up here in the mountains. I'd say we probably got about five, five inches, maybe almost six up here in Westminster. Yep. Need that moisture. The most Colorado of phrases. You need that moisture. You need that stimulation. You need, need that moisture. That, we know. need that moisture. Uh, Sorry, right. we like yeah, stories. We need the answers. moisture. <laughs> yeah. Tune in next week for a moist Ameripod. Mm. <laughs> also with us in the Denver metro area is John Anderson. How are you today? I am good. I'm uh, ready to talk about. I mean, it's just always so uplifting on this podcast. So uh, I will say though, I'm a little scratchy today. I'm. I got COVID last week. I maybe I tested, but I tested out of it, out of isolation, but I feel like I'm still a little stopped up, but I will say I have an autoimmune condition and I take medication that reduces my immune system and I'm boosted and I literally had a cold. So, Hey y'all get fucking boosted, get vaccinated. Let's fucking go. I was just, I was just reading that they, they have these new boosters that are going to be like nose sprays. Let's go. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. And, Ooh, and there's that. a pill coming out, too. Yeah. yeah. Give me so. that shit directly into my brain. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> also with us, our West Coast correspondent, Tyler Grillo. What's How up? are you tonight, sir? Like, I'm doing I'm doing pretty well. You know, some ups and downs, but I'm in an up and an up place right now. My wrist is healing well. I also, you know, because on this podcast, we uh, are harbingers of facts and accuracy. I wanted to correct something that I said on the last podcast. Um, when I was talking about um, that I really like thought underrated was was the memery, which by and I mentioned some things on TikTok, which by the way, I know they're called trends, but just like, you know, it, it's an offshoot of memes. I referred to this one Russian song and I said it translated to uh, I fuck. And that's actually not correct. It actually translates to I am fuck. I am fuck oh. is how it actually translates. Um, the title of that song. So I just really wanted to this clear is that important. up. Yeah, very important. Also, harbinger of fact is a phrase. Boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really that's a hell of a that's phrase. Real good. <laughs> yeah. That is a capital A, capital P uh, phrase. <laughs> Try to live up to that. <laughs> how are you doing, guardrails? I'm doing, you know, I'm doing all right. We've, uh, I've been very busy. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's podcasting season. So I have been every season is podcasting season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot to talk about out there in the world. So I've been very busy, but I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. And I'm your host, Blake Mannion. Yeah. Yay. What we can talk about tonight, Blake. So really the two subjects that we've picked out are news with the Supreme court justice, Stephen Breyer. And the newest developments in Ukraine, although there's probably some other things that are going to come out too in the conversation. But no, we're so focused. <laughs> we never go off on tangents yeah. like lasers. Our minds are like lasers. Should we start with Stephen Breyer because I feel like that's less of a of a bramble to get into. Oh no! Uh oh, I'm out. Nah. I'm out. <laughs> go for it. Take it away. Okay, uh, sure, because I know all the things about this, so I'll go for it. <laughs> um, well, uh, Stephen Breyer, uh, <laughs> Stephen Breyer is a. I feel like this is like a middle school presentation. Is a is a Stephen Supreme Breyer Court justice. Was born on yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, he's a Supreme Court Justice. He's been on the court for what? Eight? Well, how many is it? 18? How long has he been on? Many years. He's a Clinton. He's a, Funny yeah, he's story a about him. Yeah. He crashed his bike, I think, on the way to meet with, with Clinton. And then Clinton was like, no, not this guy. And then uh, picked Ginsburg. Oh, uh, and then really? he got another one. I think so. He got another one. And um, then he picked Briar. All right, bike crashy guy. You can. He looks like the type of guy who would who would ride a bike, or he maybe he did in his younger, more spry years. I wonder if that's the first episode of The West Wing, the yeah. inspiration for that. Oh, interesting, right? Yeah. Um, mm. Well, anyways, that uh, he did not fall off his bike again. He um, announced that he was going to retire uh, at the end. He's gonna retire yeah, at the end of this. Uh, cycle After of the Supreme Court, which 27 is years. 27, 27 years. Thank you. Thank you, Gardels. Um, so 20, yeah, after 27 years, and uh, the end of the cycle is not until October of this year. That's so they just started a cycle, basically. And then that cycle is going to end in October. So this is like a very early announcement. Like there's a lot of time to confirm, um, which is probably strategic in many ways. And also it is uh, notably uh, before uh, the midterm. So, um, it's both important facts. Yeah. So I, my opinion on the situation is we're doing a, we're not going to be RBG here. Um, and we're going to get out ahead. I'm going to like get out of the way because if, uh, if the Democrats lose the Senate, which is a real and frightening possibility, then, um, the Mitch and his ilk will probably do the thing that they did last time where they just stall and stall and stall the fuck out of it until for two years until the next election and hope that then they can, a Republican will win. So I feel like this is trying to get out ahead of all of that uh, on the Dems part and give lots and lots of time for the confirmation process. But curious to hear what you all think. Yeah, basically, according to the Republicans led by Mitch McConnell, Democrats are not allowed to appoint Supreme Court justices anymore. So, <laughs> right. um, yeah, yeah, that's the ultimate principle that he is establishing. So it's incredibly important that Breyer retires. Um, I think it's right for him to do so. There's some debate about well do you uh you know ostensibly supreme court justices are supposed to be independent of politics and so should they take into account the governing parties in the other two branches by doing that and i think i think briar actually had an interesting um and he might have even been quoting Scalia on this, if I remember the podcast I was listening to correctly, but he was like, why would I want somebody to come in and undo all the things I did? <laughs> like, it's not necessarily, it's related to politics, but it's not necessarily politics in their minds. So, um, mm-hmm. I think it was a, a, a smart strategic choice, um, that he did it and really smart because we otherwise very likely would have ended up with, um, a seven two conservative liberal court rather than maintaining a six, three liberal conservative court. Right. Right. And I mean, you know, we'll, we'll we won't, don't want to miss the forest through the trees. He was a very, very important associate justice for a long time. He held sway in a lot of opinions. Um, that happened. I think he wrote like over 500 opinions himself uh, yeah. on the court, which is a crazy number uh, in 20 years. But, you know, uh, more importantly, you guys are t- touched on the right things politically. Um, you know, you can guarantee it that whenever the confirmation talk starts, right? And I think some of that will depend on if Breyer will sit throughout the entirety of the term or if he tr- 
plans. Which he said he was going to. Right, exactly. But I mean, stuff stuff might change. Um, and if it and if it does, then it'll probably be later in the summer. Probably when the confirmation stuff really starts happening would be my guess. Um, you know, the Democrats definitely want to have it done at this point before the election cycle happens again. Um, there's no way they want to get close enough to have the Republicans use it as a bargaining chip for their base. Um, and they don't want it to be a major pinpoint in the election process, right, for the midterms, though it will be naturally. Um, there's going to be a lot of pushback on no matter who gets nominated by the Democrats. Um, you can see it coming already. You know, we all know the responses that Mitch McConnell's going to have. And it's um, can't do it during an election year. You can't do it if there's, you know, not enough Republicans that get on board, even though the Democrats can't push through. And it's important to to note that this is a very recent phenomenon. I mean, even, um, you know, like John Roberts got a whole bunch of Democrat Democratic votes, right? Like, um, you know, Scalia, same thing. Like this is it. It, it has been traditionally so up until Mitch McConnell that um, the hyper partisanship is crazy. Yeah, in the yeah, and so states. it is. Uh, it is. I think uh, not a spicy take to say that no Republican will vote for this eventual nominee, and that's a yeah, no matter who it total, is. Yeah, no matter and who. that's a total aberration in American politics, in the history of American politics, and it should be treated as such. Yeah, and. And at the end of the day, the Democrats need to look in the mirror and say, we need to push this through no matter what. It makes no difference at this point if it's politically like, yeah, exactly. You look at Kavanaugh, you look at Amy Cohn Barrett and you look at Neil Gorsuch. Look at what they did. The the Republicans, they didn't care about decorum at all. And Barrett got through in like 25 days. So fuck them. Like, game on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There cannot be a larger majority the right on the court currently there just can't be yeah and we can't we can't unilaterally um disarm on this like that would be a surrender there's there isn't a negotiation partner in this right now so if people are like bipartisanship it's it is a literal impossibility so at that point like let's rock and roll and you know we'll we'll have to see what uh (laughs) this will be really telling well let's just hope that mansion just like does one thing like a Democrat and <laughs> votes for this because or cinema, we'll see. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, so. either of them. Yep. Yeah. But speaking of things that Democrats and Republicans don't agree on, foreign policy with Russia. Anymore. Yeah, yeah. Anymore, yeah, foreign anymore, policy with Russia. It's insane that the party of tear down this wall, Mr. Gorbachev, has turned into the, oh, turns out, actually, we're going to go to uh, Hungary to have our cable news channel because we think that a mediocre dictatorship in Central Europe is how the United States should be done because we've given up on American exceptionalism, apparently. Look at you, Tucker Carlson. (laughs) Yeah. It kind of blows my mind just like how willing the republican party is to like give putin a hand job now yeah it's wild basically yeah, yeah it's it's the authoritarian lean right it's yeah. the idea that there needs to be strong central leadership in a party and especially one that defends western ideals and for some reason a lot of the republicans think that putin represents that when he does white not christianity whatsoever. which is hilarious yeah, yeah. what i'm yeah. like do you do so remember strange. right yeah. he's an atheist right but no he's not actually because he yeah. like has that cross or whatever so i guess he's not actually he's got the weird eastern orthodox yeah, yeah. yeah. kind of transfer to here yeah. he was a 
curdled in the KGB. They're yeah. all a bunch of fucking he's, no. Get out of here. He's using symbolism <laughs> to to play the media to like make you believe he's yeah he is. But yeah, yeah. And <laughs> Russia's been smart about capturing um, the U.S. in that way. U.S. evangelicals and. Um, U.S. gun culture, yeah. especially yeah. as we saw in the yeah. twenty six er, in in previous elections, tons of Russian money has filtered into the NRA. Yeah. And if I was a Russian spy, being like, "How do I destabilize the United States? Let's flood that country with fucking guns, yeah. even more pew pews than they already have." Yeah, get them more pew pews. Yeah. They got. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the reason that we bring it up is that there's a continued military buildup right in the Ukraine by the Russian government and by the Russian military. Um, on the border. And on the border, right. And, you know, it's based on what Putin and the Kremlin argues is security of their borders and protection of classic lands that were Russian and protection of Russian citizens within the Ukraine, um, both of which are debatable at best. Um, and, you know, there is uh, really tension growing if you haven't been following it uh just announced today right the pentagon said we're sending three thousand more troops to yeah which i think is the right call by the way um, yeah i would agree with that yeah so you know it just so happened that um vladimir putin became extremely interested in the internal workings of ukraine after a democratic revolution in 2014 the reason that's important is because if democracy democracy can survive in ukraine why can it not survive in russia and if it can then vladimir putin can no longer be capturing all of the resources of a nation state and using it for his personal gain along with uh his other buddies personal gain so yeah um, it's the it's the breadbasket of eastern europe <laughs> yeah so you know if if they're able to do it it's a m- major threat to Putin's regime. And so he has been doing his best to destabilize Ukraine since 2014. It should be noted that we Ukraine and Russia are currently in a war because Russia has uh, seized Ukrainian land in the Crimea and has not given it back. And so when we say there's a buildup on the border or uh, there's a possibility of conflict. What we should be saying is there's a possibility of an escalation in conflict. It, there is a right. current conflict there. Um, taking it more is, land, taking more yes. land. And, um, yeah. This is important because as we have seen in history and this gets way fucking overused but i do think it is applicable in this situation the western powers that stood up earlier to hitler it's very likely that world war ii would not have been what it was and this is a possible moment like that where if we are able to establish clear deterrence and containment to use some cold war terms with russia right now hopefully we can um you know cease what has been a power grab from Putin since he came in office and has been grabbing land both in Georgia and Ukraine uh, and seems to be wanting and he's he's been explicit he said the worst geopolitical disaster of the 20th century was the fall of the Soviet Union I think that is pretty clear that he wants to rebuild the the Russian Empire in some form and that's a threat oh, yeah. to world security yeah. and so um, and then he says well, NATO is encroaching on our decrees over here. And it's like, no, man, 
were not actually it, it it's possible that ukraine joins nato but they're a free democratic country and oh by the way nato is a defensive alliance because you're a bunch of assholes over there so <laughs> right yeah that's the, the whole that was the whole point of it and the ukraine uh, before you know long before the democratic revolutions and stuff that happened um you know they were hand and foot with the Russians, right? They were obviously part of a satellite state, but they were part of the Warsaw Pact before that and had always always been seen as partners as with the Russians. And so, yeah, Putin, uh, he sees it, and I, I, I think him and the Kremlin rightly see it um, so as the Russians are losing a lot of track globally in terms of their power economically. The military might that they had for so many years during the Russian Empire is not as impressive or large as it once was. They are losing track to China and other global powers, and they need to do something about it. And the best way they know how to do it is to uh, build militarily um, and try to uh, what they would call strengthen their borders, right? Which seems yeah. to be the ringing, ringing uh, justification on Fox News for why it's okay for them to <laughs> threaten their neighboring democratic country. Uh, yeah, I think we do we we do a disservice to overblow Russia's power, which I think you're right to point out. Um, I think that this is a, a a a signal of weakness from Russia, not strength. And if they had more strength, they would be going about using tools that are not um, military tools. But their GDP is like lower than Italy or something. And so yeah. that, that oh, the economic think, crisis, the last two years of COVID has been horrible. And, and they've, horrible. the, this invasion has been bad for their economy as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think that that is important to note when Russia seems more powerful because Putin's been getting some wins and punching above his weight, but we need to remember that we have a lot more tools than they do for world power. So sorry, Tyler, I think I interrupted you. No, no, no. I was just going to say, well, one thing I was going to say is like, you know, the, just the, because, you know, there have been uh, over the last decade, other, um, like you're saying Crimea, but other just instances of um, this dispute and violence along the Ukraine Russia border and just really feel for the people, uh, the civilians along that. I, I worked with a guy who was a refugee back in, it must have been, was it in 2014 when they the huge bombing campaign that the Russians bombed a bunch of um, Ukraine when this when the democratic government first came in. Anyways, point being like it's like it devastated right like destroyed like his whole town right and like so like the civilian casualties as always are just just um, uh, just absolutely horrendous and just something to always think about. And John, also you said you know you're saying like trying to he's trying to get back the Soviet Union in some form, and I think that was a nice little nuance because. Right, like in places like Kazakhstan, right, recently, where they already have a strong-armed dictator, right, like he doesn't, it seems like Putin's strategy is not like the literal unification of some of these other um, uh, formerly Soviet lands back into the nation-state of Russia, but as long as there is a puppet that he can control in there, that's fine, and that's the thing that Ukraine no longer has that puppetry because they have a democracy, right? He wants wants nations of autocracy around him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's in some ways what was happening with the Soviet Union, right? Like, you know, and 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 the Warsaw Pact. And funny enough about the Warsaw Pact and something to remember about them versus 
uh, an organization like NATO. The Warsaw Pact was the only pact that continually invaded its own members. So, also um, true. Yeah. so also I true. think that's something yeah. to to uh, note when we're talking about. Um, oh, we just want you know our secure borders, our traditional borders. It's like no, this is this is about power, is what it is. You there, NATO is not threatening you. There's no threat other than to. Sorry, let me let me say something differently. Um, <laughs> NATO is a threat to Putin. NATO is not a threat to Russia or Russians. And that's really important to note because uh, strong democracies on Russia's border is a threat to Putin. But strong democracies on Russia's border actually should make Russians and Russia safer. And that is why when Tucker Carlson says, well, you know, why is it more patriotic to support Ukraine than it is Russia? That's why. Yeah, And this is this is maybe not a. but it's a food for thought as we as we come to the end of this episode. It's like I, I don't. But it's interesting not to say that there weren't other military games and things that, but this escalation happening during um, a democratic presidency versus a Trump one, and just the the Putin's um, uh, uh, just abilities uh, around information warfare that um, obviously come from his training in the KGB that the Soviets were always it seemed like better at than uh the american and that one could one could argue that they have used the internet space in a certain way uh to for their gain geopolitically that uh we have we have not done and we and we haven't been able to stop happening in our own country um and so i think it's interesting like you were saying john that like uh, uh, this is a sign that he's doing a military thing is like, this is failing or else they'd be using other tactics. I'm just like, Oh, that's an interesting reflection to think about how yeah, one those it's destabilization. Yeah. He wants destabilization in general. Yeah. That's why they did the cyber warfare against the U S and another stuff for, don't forget that oh. during that campaign in Ukraine was the testing grounds for that's all right. their cyber that's security right. stuff yeah. that's they right. did that, yep. in the United States. Right. But on top of it, the, the reason that there wasn't a, a larger buildup and there wasn't more of a push is because during the Trump presidency, he openly questioned whether the United States should even be in NATO, right? He spent his entire four years saying, hey, we should defund NATO. We shouldn't even be their allies unless they start paying us. And Putin was like, Great! I don't have to do anything. Yeah, not going to give. Not going to give a order. reason. Trump's doing it for me. Yeah, yeah. Trump's the, doing it yeah, for the me. Re- the reason so. this is happening during a democratic administration is because, again, it's another signal of weakness, yeah. not strength. Because you would be using other tools if, like, he was during the Trump administration. Yeah. Um, let's let's reflect on a book we read not too long ago in the last year, "The Art of War." Right, mm-hmm. Sun Tzu. What does he say about this? When you're strong, look weak. When you're weak, look strong. When you're near, exactly. look far. When you're far, look. Yeah, yeah that exact. That's that's why I'm saying, I I'm, I had I literally almost referenced Sun Tzu earlier, <laughs> uh, because yeah, like you are. Um, he is projecting strength primarily because he is weak, mm-hmm. and so um, I think that we should we should be calling his bluff. I think that Biden is right to send troops. I think that the Western democracies are right to be sending gear to Ukraine. This is where the fight is. And it's really, we have growing autocracy around the world. And this is one of the primary fronts of that battle. And the outcome of that battle is really important for the lives of average citizens around the world. So it is, a, I think it is a fight worth fighting. Go read the Atlantic headlining article from last month. The autocrats are winning. Mm. Yes. Lays it out um, pretty, pretty well. Yep. That Was that Anna Applebaum? 
I believe so. Do you yeah. know, she fucking rocks. So. Yeah. She um, was around in Poland when they had their authoritarian takeover. She's got. She's a American conservative, um, and in a, in a traditional conservative sense, I would have really probably conf- uh, uh, had conflict with her if if we'd been you know intellectual or been age appropriate during the. Um, Soviet Union, but I really am agreeing with her a lot right now. And I think she's one of the smartest people to read. So, um, you know, she, she should do a good job of equipping you listeners for this fight to come. And I think it's an important fight. We're fighting it right now. And I think, uh, it's, it's one we, we got to fight and we got to win. Godspeed folks. Nelson in like, the <laughs> last week is taking a stand on the pharmace- against pharmaceuticals. Big surprise there. <laughs> Here, I'll include it in one of my I'll include it in, in my one of my levels of salsa.